1: Hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Greg White here with you on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? Doing great here on the
0: 5th of July, which feels distinctly different than the 4th of July. It also feels like it's
1: been a minute since we've been on, you know, on the air, right? Well, we had a wonderful time unplugging a bit down in Ponte Vedra, Florida last week after a quick, quick drive back to knock out the buzz, which we had a great time, right?
0: right? Yeah. (laughs)
1: Tell them how the um, sausage is made there. <laughs> well, hey, you know the rental Wi-Fi was not uh, was not cooperating, so it was it was good to get back and 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 see the pups, you know, and knock out a great conversation with you as always on the buzz. But today, Greg, today we're fast forwarding. You know, vacation times over, Florida's over. Today, it's back to doing the work. We're talking yep. supply chain trends and keep your eye on all with a very special guest, Tanya Jackson from Lexmark. Are you geared up for this, Greg? I am. I'm
0: pretty excited. We're coming back with a flurry, right? Bringing in a fantastic practitioner, right? Somebody who's making things happen in supply chain.
1: One of our favorites, a repeat guest. We're also going to touch on, of course, what she she and the the supply chain uh, and her team's doing over at uh, Lexmark. But we're also going to touch on the awards you know, Tanya, uh, we were very grateful to have her serve as an executive judge on the 2022 right. Supply Chain and Procurement Award. So all of that, plus some of the trends that you don't want to take your, your finger off the pulse of. So, And Greg, as always, we invite all the folks in the cheap seats and, and the skyboxes, you name it, to bring their voice and perspective today, right?
0: Yeah, I wonder, if, I wonder if everyone around the world knows what nosebleed seats means. You just made me think of that. I'd love, love to get everybody's input on that. That's right. I don't know when you were a kid, but I got a very keen awareness of what the nosebleed seats were and why they were called that. They are <laughs> up there.
1: Up hey, it's there. the only tickets we could afford. I don't know about y'all, Greg.
0: <laughs> yeah, two bucks, man. Two bucks that's to go right. to a ball game. Can you believe that?
1: It was either a row or two down uh, with no popcorn and a drink, or you're sitting <laughs> sitting on the top row of the whole stadium. But that's okay. Fine memories, fine memories.
0: Yeah, no doubt.
1: So Greg, we're going to say hello to a few folks m- uh, momentarily. Again, folks, stick around. We've got Tanya Jackson from Lexmark today, one of our favorites. But in the meantime, we do want to uh, make one quick announcement. We want to invite folks to this ongoing initiative, Leveraging Logistics for Ukraine. Uh, our friends at Vector Global Logistics are leading this pro bono work. Uh, Greg, as we know, think four or five, I'm not sure what the latest count is, but four or five containers full of humanitarian aid for vetted needs have already made it across uh, the Atlantic to Poland yeah. and and Ukraine and, and elsewhere. And uh, it depends on people across the supply chain world that want to plug in on these working sessions, uh, figure out how they can help, and then, and then deeds, not words, take an action, right?
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's been a manifest effort by the, the folks at, at Vector, Enrique and Maureen and their team have really, really stepped up. And we even got a little bit of video of the containers being loaded. I think it's approaching ten, Scott. Wow. I think it's up well, not that not all of them have landed right. to your point. But that's how many are headed that way. So that is fantastic. That's a lot of help from a lot of people around the world to make that that's happen. That's right.
1: Excellent point, Greg. Appreciate that update. And by the way, folks, uh, these are working sessions. The next one's July 12th, 11 a.m. Eastern time. There's no need. You know, they're not going to twist your arms off to give or to work or to volunteer or whatever. If you want to come and just sit in and listen to the conversation from folks around the globe that are all have kindred spirits to help folks in need. Hey, feel free to do that. We've got a link in the comments and we'd invite you all to join in uh, the conversation. No doubt. Okay. So talk about Logistics with Purpose, which is, of course, the podcast series uh, that Enrique and Vector and the team here host at Supply Chain Now. That is Logistics with Purpose for sure. Indeed. Let's say hello to a few folks. Josh Goody, he's basically our Seattle correspondent these days. Yeah, and wait till
0: you see, you you might have to scroll down, but wait till you see his weather report. You're going to be jealous.
1: (laughs) Good morning from 61
0: (laughs) degrees. And sunny. (laughs) in seattle great to see you so, josh scott i woke up this morning 6 30 this morning looked at the temperature before i went outside said 83 feels like 92 at six thirty this morning Whew. man this is that is warm. drink
1: coffee inside yeah <laughs> ac on full blast uh ahmad is tuned in via linkedin hey ahmad Let us know where in the world you are tuned in from. We love connecting those dots if we can. Rahul, same for you. Let us know where you're tuned in from uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you here. Uh, Muhammad, great to see you here via LinkedIn. Uh, Welcome, welcome. Looking forward to your perspective. Let us know where you are tuned in from. Shelly Phillips is back, Greg. Shelly, we go. brought it a live stream or two ago, if you recall.
0: Yeah, and uh, she's probably feeling much more like we are than Josh. I'm guessing. So, <laughs> Probably so. Although you never know. You know, some days it's 90 and some days it's 50 there
1: in Colorado. So, Well, you beat me to it. Shelly, Shelly says, good morning from the foothills of Colorado. So uh, that paints a nice picture. Ahmad, asking you shall receive. is tuned in right. from Egypt via LinkedIn. Hey, the dog, uh, the diesel, your pick of the all the nicknames, Clay yeah. Phillips from Maggie Valley today via LinkedIn. How about that? Right.
0: We need a weather report from there. I bet it's at (laughs) least cooler there. That's right. And also uh, a golf score from this weekend,
1: Clay. (laughs) All right, Clay, you're on the hook, man. Uh, Catherine, of course, uh, part of our production team here. Big thanks to what Catherine and Chantel Amanda do for us. Uh, So great to see you. Hey, Mark Preston is back. The legendary Mark Preston Greg. Many folks call Mark, the lean guru, uh, the Southern wow. sensei, some of his nicknames. Mark, hope this finds you well. Congrats. <laughs> I think, Greg, I want to say Mark joined the Kohler organization a few months back. So, gosh. It they seems th- like I saw something there. Was that right? Kohler? Mark, oh. let us know. I'm, I might be yeah. tracking you wrong, but great. To s- hope you and the family are doing well. Hope everything's
0: and- good. I, I do need to talk to you about a couple of new faucets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, Noor uh, tuned in from Dubai via LinkedIn. Great
0: to see you here today. Okay, So there's going to challenges for heat right there. Be um, interesting. Interested to hear. What right. Is but probably,
1: there. Greg. sunny. Yes, yeah, sunny, but a bit more of a dry heat, I would, I would imagine. At least when I was there, yeah. it was. Like a blast furnace. Right. <laughs> uh, Hugo is tuned in from Guadalajara. 77 mm. degrees.
0: Beautiful. Uh, Say hello to our uh, business associate Joshua while you're down there. Yeah, you got to.
1: Um, all right. So I wish we could hit everybody here. I'm going to shoot through some of these folks. We want to hear your comments throughout the session here today. We're about to bring in our our special guest. Hey, Ron Shepherd, online from the great city of Aiken, South Carolina, trade compliance guru. Great to see you, Ron. Aniella, please let me know. Make sure we get it right. Uh, I tried. I might be over two there, but from Hampshire. UK. Gene Pledger, hello from what feels like equatorial (laughs) Alabama. (laughs) So it's hot. It is hot there in Alabama. Yeah, clearly. Good to see you, Gene. Hello, Joey from sunny uh, Minnesota. Um, Yes, Mark confirmed. He just joined Kohler. Great to see you. outstanding. Congrats. We got to celebrate it. Okay, one final comment that we're going to bring on our guest here. Clay says, one figure is 100 plus. (laughs) One figure is 75. I'll let you guys guess which is temp and which is score. <laughs>
0: We're going to give you the benefit of the doubt, Clay. That's right. Good game.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Good round to go. Well, hey, Clay. Hope you have a lot of fun with the family there in Maggie Valley. Okay, so Greg, I am stoked about our guest here today. I've had a chance to uh, not yeah, only um, have a her. yeah we'll have a variety of conversations with uh, Tanya Jackson, but we also did a one on one interview probably about two months ago or so. And I left that interview as a recorded interview, and I'm like, you know what, our audience is gonna love Tanya. We got to figure out if we can bring her on live here at some point. And today we have Tanya Jackson live, so I want to welcome in, folks. You are gonna get as big of a kick as I I did about this. uh, Tanya Jackson, senior vice president and chief delivery officer with Lexmark. Hey, hey, Tanya, how
2: you doing? I am doing well. How are you? How are you both?
1: Doing Doing wonderful.
0: Thank you. Good to have you back.
2: Thank you. I appreciate all the uh dialogue about the temperature. It's pretty hot here too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is it? It's
0: hot. Yeah. You're supposed to be able to escape that in Kentucky, but yeah. Uh, 90 not this nine zero. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh.
2: yeah.
1: And you know, the, the day after a holiday, uh, lots of last-minute problem solving. You know, Murphy's Law is still alive and well <laughs> in the wide world of technology, right?
2: Right. Yes, it went right down to the wire here. Yep. But <laughs> We have great, had great support. One of my best friends over here, Emily, helped me out here. So. That's right. We're good.
1: Very good. Big shout out to Emily and the whole team there. But great to see you again. And, and uh, as I was sharing, as we were introducing you, man, we are tickled to have you here live with, you saw some of the folks from really around the globe. They're going to really enjoy your perspective. But before we get into Tanya Jackson, the senior practitioner, I want to get into a little bit of food, Greg. It is national. I mean, we're we're apple. coming off a holiday weekend. So <laughs> That's right. I'm still trying to get rid of all the extra food we had uh, from from the holidays. But it's National Apple Turnover Day. So is Tanya it? and Greg, uh, Greg, I'm gonna get your take here, but I'm gonna start with Tanya. So Tanya, did you grow up eating apple turnovers in Wide Awake, Wilson, North Carolina? Uh, <laughs> and if you if it wasn't your go to, if apple turnovers weren't weren't your go to dessert. What was one of your family's favorite go-to desserts?
2: Oh, I'm so, I'm glad you remember Wide Awake Wilson. I was, <laughs> I'm actually going to send you a newspaper article. Name okay. it. Has up there Wide Awake Wilson. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I did grow up eating apple turnovers, but I, you know, I'm more, much more partial to peaches, honestly. So Ooh. it would be like peach cobbler, peach pie, those Ooh. kinds of things. Oh man, but you same, and Scott you know, have
0: been separated at birth. <laughs>
2: Well, we were, on our last interview, thinking that we were related at some point. That's you right. Know, we had so many things in common. But, yeah, I mean, but for <laughs> sure, apple apple turnover is good, but I, I am more partial. It's peach season right now. Some of
1: yes. Uh, one quick comment. Did you all know, at least as of, as of a couple of years ago, that even though Georgia is known as, as the peach state, <laughs> South Carolina actually produces more peaches than Georgia? Well, did you Funny know Funny how
0: often you get stopped in a South Carolina parking lot when you have Georgia tags for people to tell you that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he's. You, you definitely know Scott's from South Carolina with that bit of trivia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not just oh, everybody gosh, knows that. that the South Carolina right. people know that, but it's true. So I, I actually, it, that is true.
1: One quick follow up then. So, if Pete, you mentioned peach cobbler. That is one of our favorites around here. Mm-hmm. So, before we get Greg's take, Tanya, do you have? Do you always have a scoop of ice cream with your peach cobbler, or no ice cream?
2: Usually, no ice cream, but I'm fine with ice cream. But I, I, the, the cobbler itself is I'm good just with okay. The cobbler. But I'll I'll be happy to take the ice cream as well. Bro. I'm good.
1: <laughs> All right. Can I, so ask, Greg, can I
0: ask just one more question, please. Scott? Um, your cobbler is it crumbly top or is it more like pie top as you as you know it?
2: Crumbly top.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's my favorite too. Does
2: that pass? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good yeah, well, I was All just right.
0: curious because <laughs> you know I thought there was only one way to make it. And I'm, I'm from the Midwest. You come to the South and there's like all kinds of tops that you can <laughs> have, right? So but I, I, was a, I was brought
1: up with a crumbly top too, Tanya. So, yeah, I like yeah. the crumbly top. Yeah, yeah. Crumbly How about top. You, Pat? I've probably had it a number of different ways. I like the corner section where you get a little more a little crunch. More mm-hmm. and, yeah. But I'm a, I, I've got to have ice cream because for me, it's the contrast. You know, mm. it, it adds that creamery. You know, anytime you add that creamy element with the crunch, and it tastes delicious. Oh, goodness gracious. I could probably eat a whole cobbler. But uh, we got we to gotta <laughs> save that for another day. Hey, really quick, uh, before we dive into uh, things forthrightly, let's say I want to share a couple quick comments here. Josh says, shout out to Dubai. who We had we had Noor from Dubai. He says, shout out to Dubai for producing plastics used for medical devices. Saved my job more than <laughs> on one occasion the last couple of years. That's interesting.
2: Our- yeah. Oh, the
1: stories. Oh, the stories that you're going to have to share with us, uh, Josh. Annie Ella, thank you for the guidance. We'd like to get everybody's names right. So, Annie Ella, uh, appreciate that feedback. Let's see here. Josh also says Dutch oven cooked apple Mm. cobbler. Oh, yeah. Mm. That sounds delicious. That's old school, man. Is it? (laughs) So, by the way, really quick, Old School Soul Food is a channel I've been following this summer on YouTube. Chef Jeff is his name. He's from the Houston area, and he offers up all the all the types of dishes we probably grew up with, at least especially me and Tanya. Uh, so y'all got to check that out. Um, and also, one quick shout-out before I turn over to Greg here we move forward, Tanya. Good morning, Dr. Rhonda Pepinza Zimmerman.
0: Yeah, and it is morning for everyone who wonders. It is morning where she is. So she is, is right. funny, and I don't even want to know the temperature. In Phoenix. <laughs>
1: hey, quick shout-out. Uh, So Dr. Rhonda, even though we're still making everything official, we're going to be emceeing an upcoming virtual session called veterans and logistics, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to be tackling a lot of different uh, veteran related issues from transition to kind of trends in supply chain to kind of uh, inform the veteran community. We're also going to be touching on mental wellness and and health, which is important Mm -hmm. for everybody. And Rhonda has volunteered. We're still nailing everything down, but Rhonda has volunteered. You know, that's, that's part of her expertise to share some of her knowledge on nice. on that late July event. So thank you, Rhonda. I'll be nice. back in touch soon. Okay. So Greg, Tanya Jackson here. with It's <laughs> like doing a business call in the middle of
0: the show. Do you see <laughs> yes. how he <we> did that?
2: <laughs> I did. I did. Just, just uh, very smooth. Uh, it's a wrong? very two
0: way conversation here, Tanya. <laughs> so if you ever need smooth. anything from us, just jump in, this, in I'll the, I'll just stream. stop,
2: just stop the thing. And we'll just take a little call. <laughs> That's, no
1: right.
0: That's right.
2: No problem. No <laughs> problem. <laughs> It's literally, how, it's literally how supply chain works, anyway. Just yep. you know, yeah, <laughs> so true. Just just go with it. yep
0: always so on.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, Greg, where are we yes, starting I, with the one and only Tanya Jackson here?
0: <laughs> I can't believe I'm even going to ask this question. So, I want to. I want to uh, precursor this with. I know the answer. It's just in case any of you out there oh, don't wow. know the answer. We want everybody to have a good have a good frame of reference. So, Tanya, if you could tell us a little bit about. Lexmark uh, and yeah. what you do, right? What your role there is.
2: Okay, sure thing. We'll start there. I'll take Lexmark first. So <clears throat> we're a um, global leader in imaging and document services. Uh, we are in, we are, you know, our customers are all over the world where we have devices deployed in about 170 countries. We have about uh, 6.5 million units Um in the hands of our customers, and wow. uh, about a million under managed services under a single global system. So, our many of you know about managed print services over the years, and so we deploy, you know, we, the, our device, our imaging devices, are IoT and cloud enabled, and we actually use some of that IoT technology and some of the digital transformation that we are piloting in supply chain and operations. So a portion of our business also is looking at taking that same technology that we use for printers, uh, that where we work with our customers and and seeing how we can manage other devices in there to help them with their business. So not just manage print, manage print, but manage services also to expand our business. And then we also have some really uh, cool technology and imaging, and we we have a, a group now that's looking at how to take that technology and use it in other places, such as our scanning technology, our fusing technology, because we heat, cool so fast, those kinds of things. So a lot going on at Lexmark, but the main thing is, you know, serving our customers and making sure that uh, they can uh, have print for their mission-critical services and not worry about it, make sure that the printer works, that it's serviced, and that, you know, we make sure that hospitals and and uh, manufacturing sites and, and anywhere in healthcare are that people are up and running so they can serve their customers. That's I think it'll mark. be a
0: fantastic day. I'm curious, Tanya. It'll be a fantastic day. Maybe you can do this. I wouldn't be surprised at all. When when you can address probably the two most common requests around your devices, which is clearing paper jams <laughs> and right and and refilling toner. Can you do any of that remotely yet?
2: Yeah, well, you know, clearing, you know, interesting you say that. So as part of the managing devices remotely is that we right. do, you know, monitor it so that we could look at error codes and look at how the printer is, the health of the printer. And right. we can try to intervene before you get to any kind of serious breakage and those kind of things. And toner, to toner, or I, did you say toner or I'm not sure which, which you use Yeah, it? toner. Some, some, sure. some people yeah. say ink, and, but okay. Yeah, so. <laughs> You might have, but for so <laughs> toner, it's a matter of sensing when it's low, right? So you don't right. want to be out. We don't want you to be out. So it's a matter of uh, you know having the alerts on the out panel to make sure that people know you're low in this color. And you can go ahead and order, and we can we can get you replenished. That is also a managed print service as well. But if you don't have managed print, you have those you know you know you have those alerts on the on the device.
0: Yep. That's so I'm seriously so practical, and I love the preemptive capability there. That's yeah. Important, right?
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. People just want There's, devices to work, and yeah, <laughs> they just,
0: they're confusing enough they, for some people. They like are not.
2: Me. We're working on that, keeping it but, simple. But. well,
0: they, I, well I'm, I never cease to be amazed at people who can make these things operate. Like you know, you know, they can they do it just like it's second nature. For me, I just look at that keyboard and I go completely blank and start looking <laughs> for talented people that can actually do it. That's uh-huh. so, true.
2: I guess you just walk around waiting for somebody to come up. That's know, pretty much ready. it. That's yeah. pretty much
1: it. Just look <laughs> pathetic. And- That's
2: right.
1: Tanya, I appreciate you kind of giving us the in a nutshell version yep. of Lexmark, where you've been and, and what you do now, and some of the innovative things you are working on. Yep. Yeah, right. As Chief Delivery Officer, titles can be interesting things. Are are you essentially beautiful development here? In recent years is the rise of the CS CSCO, the Chief Supply Chain Officer. Right. Is that essentially your role there at Lexmark?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Scott. So we have a very unique organization, and I think it is—it's um, very—it's kind of the way we, everybody needs to operate in the future, whether it's actually one organization or not. But so my former title was Chief Supply Chain Officer, huh. and we reorganized maybe a year and a half or two years ago uh, when we again we wanted to focus on the core imaging part of the business, and as well as to grow in our adjacencies. And so we combined the research and development team the supply chain team and our service delivery team mm. Mm, into one right. organization. And so my and so we formed, we we don't we don't benchmark well against other companies because not many people have this setup. But right. so between all of us we took the name of the product delivery organization. And the cool thing about it, which is why I said it's forward thinking, is we talk a lot about supply chain agility, resilience and all these kinds of things. But if you can work with product development really closely, you solve a lot of the agility problems that you may have. It's in the top of their mind, top of the operations people's mind. So it's it's that constant collaboration in the back and forth. So what we do in our organization is we, what we have what we call the end-to-end, right? So we have the, the design, the sourcing, planning, manufacturing, distribution, logistics, yeah. service, service techs, uh, re- reverse logistics—we get it back, we remanufacture, we harvest for recycling. So there's a problem with any kind of any part of the uh, product that we deliver to our customers. Is, it's all right here, and we, we we work together on those trade-offs and and really try to get it right on the front end. Now, products that are already down the pipe, you know, at that point you're you're doing what you can to um, you know do your engineering changes and those types of things. But we really have an opportunity to understand each other's pain points. Yeah being in the same organization, because it's a little difficult if you're in different organizations, everybody's doing the right things. I, I like to say, everybody's making the right choices, but it's really hard. And it's not because people don't want to, but it's hard to see the right. impact either way. It's hard to see, you know, as you're going, but if you're all in the same organization and we mix the organization up, this is, this is key. We didn't just put three groups together and say, now we got this group, we, we blended teams. So we have R&D teams, micro-manufacturing teams, and, uh, and and sourcing teams. You know, everything, everybody is blended together. So it was uh, a, quite an experiment for us. I think it's, it served us incredibly well during the crisis. Uh, and I'll say, I don't say that like it's over, but right. during the the heat of it, when you're right. having to, you know, do you can't find a component, and you work with the engineering team to see what else can be designed, and and the engineering team has been fantastic. So, so yeah, we went from. Chief Supply Chain Officer to, to Product Delivery Officer, but it's a it's a it's a very talented, diverse organization with all kinds of skill sets and and some fantastic people.
1: I love it. Uh, and folks, yeah. let us know what you think. Uh, this highly integrated, unique organization. And by the way, thank you, Andy. Uh, hey, we learn new things about our listeners all the time. He is not a fan of the phrase "very unique." You're either unique oh, or not. Now, okay. <laughs> Andy was responding, as I said, very unique earlier as, as we described the Lexmart organization. But Andy, oh, hey, I appreciate okay. his preferences. But Greg, <laughs> let me get
2: <laughs> I thought I thought I said it, so okay.
1: <laughs> no, I, th- I think that was me. Hey, Greg way in there. I mean, you know, you've you've also been a senior leader, startup led organizations. The model that Tanya just described there seems pretty powerful in my ears. It's
0: been a long time coming and I'm sure it felt like that for you too, Tanya. But I think two things that really jump out at me is one, chief delivery makes so much sense when there's so much digital componentry, so many digital offerings that are either services, no physical real component to them as such, right? Like we Mm -hmm. think of when we say supply chain and the other is the preemptive strike. Here we go again. You guys are trying to get ahead of the game and I really appreciate that of involving product design and development, R&D and that sort of thing into not just supply chain, but integrating them together, because there's so much that you can share with between supply chain and product design. Sometimes, you know, in the retail trade, we were really good at it. Sometimes we were not very good at it. Sometimes it's absolutely critical as we think about circularity and sustainability and all of that sort of thing. You know, there's a lot of opportunity to create efficiencies in in supply chain and in product design. And it's just great to see the, the, I'm going to use the word, I'm sorry, gang, the synergy between those departments (laughs) coming together to create, you know, something that is so much better for every part of the the company. So that's powerful stuff. Great to hear it. I mean, it's rare that you even hear about it, right? Much less see it or have a leadership design that is specifically focused on that.
1: Well, you know, yeah. I'm going to break out a phrase we, we use around here a lot, uh, a couple of years ago, based on a, a guest appearance. Uh, and not that there were silos at Lexmark, but silos mm-hmm. exist. Sure. I mean, they're, they're yeah. you know, uh, in traditional structures, they certainly are. Silo busting. It sounds like you mm-hmm. and the, the rest of the executive team said, you know what? We're not going to do things uh, per usual and, and have silos and ivory towers. We're going to get the team integrated, holistic, talking, you know, folks, if they've got ideas and it's outside their functional area, they need to be part of the conversations going on elsewhere. I mean, really, uh, I can really see how that has helped not only during the deepest throes of the pandemic, but moving forward in, in oh, yeah. uh, this era we're, we're, we're all living in.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, part of it was definitely silo busting. I, I think another thing that happens, again, not intentionally, but you just don't understand, like if you're in so let's say, as example, supply chain and R&D design something, and you're, you're sitting there thinking, why it's, it's hard, it's, it's complex, why I'm going to have to go source this, right? Nope. But when you integrate it together, you certainly want to focus on design for manufacturing, but you, you also have the opportunity to understand, well, we need this technology. It has to be. Right. You can't just keep doing the same thing. That's not how you advance. The challenge is, I need this right. new technology. What's the best way that I could design it so that we can source it? and so that we can make sure we have continuity of supply. So you start to um, understand the other person's perspective on both uh, across the board. Uh, And you get that for free because you're literally working side by side with someone. It's not a curiosity. It also helps with career development. Maybe you're in one area and you always curious about what was over there. Well, now you you see that up close and you can make a decision on, hey, I would like to go work in that area or not there've been lots of benefits. And I, again, I think the, the organization was very open to it. The, I don't mean just management. I mean the, the, the team, the, the, the whole, whole team. team yeah. It was a, you know, a little bit. Okay. Well, what are we all now come, you know, how are we going to come together? And I think, yep. you know, we're still growing every day, but, but culturally I think we're all on the same page and, and doing a great job.
1: Love it. Love it. Okay. I want to circle back to the awards. Yeah. I also really want to circle back. I want to get to the trends here because that we're kind of the center plate today's discussion but you know by the way greg you know i've been fortunate to uh, talk with tanya a variety of times we interviewed her on an earlier podcast you know few executives capture this but the approachability that tanya jackson the down to earth demeanor i mean that is an invaluable attribute to have as a leader and tanya has got that nailed and, and and tanya the same person you see here live in front of everybody is the same person you see on a, on a private zoom as you're you're planning and greg that is that is a beautiful thing in my, in my eyes.
0: I hate to talk about you like you're not here, Tanya, but it's really refreshing. <laughs> I mean, just how <laughs> truthfully, how matter of fact and how just the way, honestly, just the cadence with which you speak tells me that this is just who you are and how you believe and your management philosophy. So, yeah, you couldn't script it better.
2: Appreciate that. You bet. Appreciate that.
1: All right. So, Tanya, appreciate you sharing what you shared thus far about your role and organization and the evolution of the organization and what you do. Let's get into some of these supply chain trends, oftentimes big picture trends that that we've got to keep our eye on, right? Yeah. Regardless of your role. So we're going to walk through four. And yes, I'm making that commitment, Greg and Tanya, up front. We're going to walk through four. You're gonna have to
0: tell us if we have to go faster, okay?
1: <laughs> right, that's right. So the first one, Tanya, the very first one that you you know, as you created this list of four, yep. what would that be?
2: You know, the first one, just being living what we're living in is agility and resiliency, and so I, I'm gonna I, hopefully we'll get in a dialogue here with people online as well as you all. So so, you know, the, the one thing that is not a trend, like I, I think. It's been a terrible year from a terrible couple of years, you know, from an operating conditions. But what I hear a lot is that supply chains were just built on costs and therefore that's why they don't have this. I don't think I don't believe that. I think everybody was always I think as difficult as it has been, we wouldn't we, we couldn't get through what we got through without some some amount of agility and resilience. Now, was it enough? Obviously not. But I, I think the things that we um, can focus on in the future, are the same things that we were probably working on, we just have to go intentional, the second sourcing, the diversification, understanding the geopolitical impacts that are going on, you know, around the world and how that getting somewhat getting, I'm gonna say getting ahead of it, keeping it in mind. You can't be too reactive, you know, but but you have to be able to say, okay, I, I have to build some redundancy in the system. And the one thing I wanted to, to to get your thoughts on, we spend a lot of time, and this is in our strategy, and so Anybody from Lexi Marcus-Washington is going to say, huh. <laughs> but it's uh, simplification. Sim- we, we talk about simplification, right? And typically what we talk about is skew reduction or, you know, making things as, you know, looking at processes and taking taking all the waste out and making things as simpl- simplification. But it's, it's a, it occurs to me now is that we really should be talking about simplicity because simplification is changing, Is you know, kind of stream streamlining a process instead of starting at a state at the most simple state maybe. Yeah, yeah like it's almost like a, a, a design thinking right so yeah so i think what we what we will be talking more about and like i said it's on our strategy as simplification but the more i think about it i think it's more simplicity because yes. simplification comes afterwards right you've, yes you've done you've done something and now you want to you know you need to go simplify it and and that's a completely different thing that starts with you know, talking with marketing, with the customer, you know, it goes, it has to be more, you know, holistic approach. And then the other thing I, I'll point on, and I'll, I'll talk about it and I'll let you guys, um, you know, uh, banter here and see if I'm, if I'm on track, but it is the, during the crisis, what we learned a lot was risk-taking and, and, you know, looking at some of the things we would never do or we would not like to do, and we just did it because there were no choices and things were, and all ideas were welcome. There wasn't a, hey, we've never done it that way, or we did it 10 years ago, we don't want to do it that way. So I think what we have to include in that agility and resilience is to keep the outside-in approach, make sure we are not too, you know, we know best kind of thing, because we don't, we learn learn that, right? And so make sure we have the, you know, outside-in approach and make sure that we are, um, you know, continue with the speed and urgency. And and the most thing, what we talk about a lot is to, these to institutionalize some of the practices that we did because we had to, let's not go back. Let's make sure they're part of what we do now. So so we don't want the weeds to come back in, right? We want to we want to make sure that we just we go forward from from uh, any any kind of design network mm-hmm. design or whatever we do.
1: Yeah. Well, said, Greg, I'm gonna get your take in just a moment. We'll take a couple yeah. of quick comments here., uh, this is from the LinkedIn user. Let's see if uh, this oh Corra, Kora Kose from Gardeners is oh. with us here today. He says, resilience, 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 top of mind, yet often challenged by cost, capability, and digital literacy. That's a good phrase. Great to have Scott and Greg educating us and bringing great guests. Hey, Tanya is educating us here today, and and she's living it, uh, what she's sharing with us. But Karai, great to have you, as always. Love your passion and your expertise and and your deeds, not words, approach. Greg, uh, the start of our list here, uh, agility and resiliency and simplify mean, not simplification, which is after comes after you maybe created way too much complexity, but your, your take on what you heard here from Tanya on number one. I
0: think simplicity is, it's distinctly different from simplification, right? Simplification is we've already got a process we know is broken and we're going to try or, or, you know, or, oh. or a design or something like that, but we're going to try and take the waste out of it. So Tanya yeah. described that appropriately. Simplicity is starting with a redesign or a brand new design or whatever, and envisioning it another way so that it, you don't have the waste built in to begin mm-hmm. with. Sometimes that's hard and it's almost impossible with the first iteration, but you know you're at a point now and and you have in your power too Tanya the ability yep. to to impact the design, the execution and even the physical and electronic mm-hmm. delivery of of the product. So I think that's a great great perspective to have.
2: The only thing I would add is I'm not saying simple I am not saying right. make it simple because that's right. not possible all the time, right? And right. and so I'm not want do want people to think, oh just, you know, it's not it's not that simple. I understand that. Two pieces snap and, them together. And, right. it, <laughs> it, it's not the way it works. And you also can't take something that's already in motion and simplify it, right? So, so I'm it's just as as like I said, it's part of our strategy. We got a big bubble of simplification and I was rethinking that, saying, huh, we prob- that's that is necessary. It's just not, you know. It's not sufficient. It's, it's, something, it's something we need to think about it just a little bit. Yeah, I,
0: I think, again, it's preemptive rather than responsive to, to your previous points. I mean, you definitely have that approach of saying, let's rethink something and let's try to prevent issues rather than try to deconstruct something and address the issues. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, in some cases, you'll have to do one or the other, but certainly having that perspective from the very start and with the organization that you drive, that's, you definitely have the power to be able to do that in you know in your organizations at, at Lexmark. So you know the other thing, agility and resiliency, not only cost, right? I think one of the cost is probably the biggest offender in terms of why supply chain is so yeah. incredibly fragile. The other is, and I, I'm going to get some, I'm going to get some messages from some of my. Andy's coming for you. And he's coming for right. what you're about to say. It's, it's going to be, I'm going to get some um, messages from some of my academic friends Uh-oh. here, and that is the foundational principles of supply chain, like the beer game, if anyone is familiar with the beer game and some of the things we talk about when we talk about forecasting, etrus paribus, all other things being equal, that is the fatal flaw in supply chain philosophy. All things are never equal, right? Everything else doesn't go right. We should never, ever say that in supply chain. If everything else goes right, we're fine, right? Because what we ought to do to, and you made this point also, Tanya, is assume, and this was what I was taught that was so counterintuitive and kind of hard to absorb, but has worked well for me is assume everyone will fail you. And, <laughs> and, and you know that's probably an extreme position, right? But it does give you the proper mindset to say, okay, we need a plan B, maybe even a plan C or D, or whatever. And we need it throughout every stage, every potential fragility in the supply chain. That's how you create both agility, responsiveness instead of reactiveness, and resiliency, which is the opposite, in my opinion, of fragility. So you have to be very aware of the fact that the forecast is just a starting point, kind of like a project plan. And you have to figure out where the project plan is going to fail you and build the ability to either preempt or respond rapidly and effectively to disruption.
2: Yep. Very well said. All right.
1: Uh, disruption. I'm form- so glad you said that. I feel stupid <laughs> saying it. <laughs>
2: disruption
1: Uh-oh. in the form of abnormal anomalies, uh, as Josh says there. Hey, we all have our pet peeves. like kicking right yourself
0: in the chin, don't you, Scott?
1: Julia <laughs> <laughs> makes a great point here. Integration is certainly helpful, but thinking of today's supply chain environment, how to track and prevent, she meant to say, supply chain quality failures. That's a a great question. Ola Watosin also agrees with her key concern there with those quality. I think Tanya addressed
0: a lot of that in her previous comments. So I think that's really, yeah,
1: right. Agreed. Think
0: about it in a different way.
1: Now, Abdel Halim agrees. You were just speaking to educators a moment ago. I think. He he took away that all things being equal prefacing that can so often be out there. So, hey. Thank you. Yeah, you didn't alienate all educators out there. So, uh, Abdel Halim. My phone is telling me a different story. but Okay. um, (laughs) They enjoyed, his students enjoyed the competition to get the best results of the beer game. Love it. Uh, Thanks for being here today. Okay, so I've got 1242. Of course, we're going to protect Tanya's time. Tanya, we've got, um, give everybody a little sneak peek. Digital transformation, talent, and ESG, or two, three, and four. Let's go to digital transformation and get some of your, yeah. your thoughts there, uh, Tanya.
2: Yeah. Okay. Digital transformation. Um, I think I'm going to tie it back to something Greg said as well. So, it was for us, it, it was, it, it, it was, and it is, and it will be about visibility. It will be about, um, but but some of those systems have always been there, and it's a matter of how fast you you, you know you add your control tower, you add your visibility. Upstream with your supply base because that was the heart of our issue with electronic components. We tier one visibility great, tier two pretty good, but beyond that, we knew who suppliers were in general, but not the health of those suppliers and and who their suppliers were and all of that. So I think building that out is is really important. Um, but I think going back to what Greg said, like about forecast, um, you know the forecast is going to be whatever the forecast is going to be. But building, uh, using digital tools, whether it's uh, AI, ML, to understand demand, like what is going on somewhere else that you're not seeing. You, the, the problem, the, the, why you need the end-to-end visibility, upstream, downstream, that's what you can see. That's what you, that's what you have. What you really want to get to is what else is going on that's going to impact my supply. So whether it's mm-hmm. is weather, whether it's, uh, you know, some kind of, again, a geopolitical thing emerging, some shortage in a completely different industry that will eventually- Something you know, ever hit, grounded. Hit a so, yeah, so, something that you're not really even, you know, th- those things that, that are out there everywhere, but it's hard to bring them into our system and say, okay, how is this gonna affect us? I think that's a real opportunity because then you're looking at demand. Not specific forecasts, right? You're just saying, right. okay, how is this demand? What's what's going on with demand in general, and then how can I, you know, at tailor my, what should I be doing from a supply perspective? Yep. So I think I think for sure visibility is 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 a big deal for us. But I think what we what we all can can do is also think about broader than our space. There's something else that's going on in the world, and how is that going to affect our supply?
1: All right, so this one, this number 2 on this list of 4 could be a 6-hour mini series, sure. right?
2: Right. Um, I tried to summarize it <laughs> to keep
1: it short. Yeah, I try- That's Greg. What it is.
2: I I got that Greg. I summarized. Yeah, I did that? <laughs> yeah. I thank like, you. Okay. Right, so.
1: I, I
0: got I, I got a easy response to that. What she said? So I mean, I think I, I think there is um you know, there, there are so many dynamics here and I think the important thing is is not to Focus on this this is what this portion of the discussion makes me think about, rather than this particular aspect of it is there are so many aspects that are potentially in flux, right? That you you do have to plan. And I think if we focus instead of on the problem, we focus on the outcome, whether it's geopolitical or weather, or you know, product shortage or unethical behavior, whatever it is, think about what the outcomes could be to your supply chain and focus on that outcome and provision for that outcome. Not Mm -hmm. because it's really hard. You'll always be chasing. If you try to say, what if evergreen has another ship that's stuck (laughs) or what if Ukraine wins or what if Russia wins or what if this goes on for years, whatever, But if you understand what the outcomes of those events are and focus on, if this outcome occurs, what do we do? Right. It's. I think it, does it simplify or does it create simplicity in how you address those things? Tanya, I'll leave that to you, but. Um,
2: <laughs> I'm it, not sure, Greg, but. I don't, yeah, me either, but
0: you get it, right? I, I mean, do, it does I make do. it like you're chasing fewer data points. Yeah. if you if you do yeah, that, yeah,
2: it's it's almost like you want to get away from um, predicting the future because you can't, but you just want to enable it, right? You want right. to say, okay, if this so five different scenarios happen, what am I what am mm. I going to do? Because yeah. you can't foresee the futures, and and we've proven through this that disruption is everywhere, and and, and it will always be that way. Honestly. That's right. Yeah,
1: so. we've and proven that Martin... our entire
0: careers, Tanya. <laughs> you can't predict the future. That's basically what our career is—is is an affirmation <laughs> of that. Unless age. you're
1: Marty McFly. And you head back to whatever year that was and grab okay. the sports book. So maybe the that. metaverse can help us with that. <laughs> maybe so. Um, hey, really quick. Julia makes a great point. Businesses are usually, usually short-term minded, unfortunately, speaking of forecasting. Excellent point there. And here, Ola Wattosin, uh says, on point, Greg, the business users are never open-minded. to come up with serious. Serious options, probably. They also don't plan despite several engagements from the procurement team. They're always reactive rather than proactive. So, hey, mm. might be a, another conversation be had there. I appreciate you, uh, you sharing. That sounds like
0: that might be an environmental issue because whenever I hear never and always, that's usually a cultural issue within yes. that company because I haven't mm. had that experience. I've had it yeah. often, often or infrequently, but right. never, never. And not always, always.
1: So there, here, hmm. there's a nice segue because, of course, when we talk about culture, talent is inseparable, right? Yeah. Um, so talent Let's being go. your number <laughs> number three on the list here, Tanya, yep. love to get your thoughts on uh, tracking the talent trend.
2: Sure. So for me, talent is. I'm talking about the entire organization. Is is it's kind of the same. It's, it's a matter of retaining really good people. That you have and make, helping them see opportunity, see what they may um, want to explore differently, and then for onboarding and new hires is is getting them uh, up to speed and running faster because people are, are, are will want I I think they want to make contributions and impact much quicker than in the past. So we need a better way of once people come in to to get them um, engaged with the right whether it's training whether it's whatever you know less ad hoc but more this is exactly this is what we this is your project this is who you're going to work with this is what we you know how we want to get you up and running mm. um so i and then for some many people across especially supply chain operations and in my team because we're integrated very much everybody the whole burnout thing I, I don't have an answer for that but it has been uh, the past few years have been really rough i think somebody in the comments said that somebody helped them keep their job it's just been it's been intense Right and and uh, so we're trying to move people as we can. People have been in like I mean everybody's getting has some impact in all of this, but people that are really in the eye of the storm, we're trying to rotate them out to you know different positions so they can take on other responsibilities, put somebody else in uh, that's ready for you know that 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 challenge, so that we're not just wearing people out. But I, I don't have a great answer for burnout because it's like I said, we're still in the we're getting better at navigating for sure. But it is still a difficult operating operating environment. So for us, it's about, you know, keeping the team engaged and being honest with what we know, but telling people we're still in it and we're still going to be fighting. We're still fighting through it.
1: Agreed.
0: Greg, supply chain. We've always been shorthanded. In 2019, out of 44 million supply chain professionals in the industry, we still had a five percent Unemployment rate, right? Openings, five percent job openings in in the industry, and that was when we were at virtually full employment statistically, full employment throughout the entire country. So talent has always been an issue in this industry. You know, we need people. I, I think what will uh, start to turn the tide is this identification of supply chain as an intellectual rather than brute force practice. Right? It's not just. Although I think this is really cool. It's not a guy named their blue denim shirt stuffing <laughs> stuff in trailers, right? And and driving down the road. It is that. And it's and that's a very cool part of what we do. But it's also for these younger generations, it's very intellectual, it's very challenging, it's very technological and digitally driven. And and that and it is clearly now identified as that higher purpose that people seek in their job these days. And if you can identify those dynamics for people, you can get a very, very good talent pool. I've seen companies do great jobs with that to help people understand how they are serving humankind, how they are, um, you know, how they're defeating bad actors, how they are putting necessary goods and medicines and whatnot in other people's hands and how they're enhancing people's lives, even with just luxury goods. So Mm. I think if you, If you present supply chain as that, as what it does, what it delivers, um, rather than how it operates, I think, you know, we'll start to see the the tide turn there.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. By the way now,
0: people have heard of this practice, right? Mm. Yeah,
2: Yeah, over the past couple of years, that's all that's been in the news, too. I I think that was was confusing before, like, what is supply chain? (laughs) I think that was So now I think people do have that understanding. And and you're right. I think there is a, a, a large side of purpose. And that would be great for, for recruiting
0: and talent. Agreed. Well, your your discussion at a at a cocktail party doesn't end instantaneously when you say I'm in supply chain anymore. So at least right. you get that going
1: first
2: time. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't. Now, now they just feel sorry for you. Just, oh, okay. yeah,
1: that's right. Oh, God. oh toilet so, paper. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yes, Julia, more supply chain uh, majors and graduates and practices are needed. Absolutely. Um, really quick. Uh, Greg, you touched on truck drivers, and of course, we got live on our truck drivers and an in, in invaluable aspect of global supply chain. We just published today a replay of one of our favorite episodes here. Uh, we we um, a professional OTR driver, Kelly Lynn McLaughlin. Oh yeah, now, Kelly Lynn, uh, Greg and Ton, y'all can check that out. At supply Chain Now, where I get your podcast from. Kelly Lynn got into trucking because she was helping her kids uh, in the band. And so, you know, mm. moving instruments, all the stuff around. She she got into the, the logistics side of school bands. And huh. and then and then she found out she loved it. And she took a, she kept on taking more steps. And now she's an award-winning over-the-road truck driver. And she has got nice. a wonderful story. So y'all check that out wherever you get okay. your podcast from. Okay. So Greg and Tanya, around the horn, and then again, uh here mm. at number four, ESG, number four on the list going to
2: get
1: through uh, these four aren't you yeah, this, yeah well you know i think <laughs> i love how you uh speak to these in terms of regardless of of our listeners role there's goodness here so tanya when it comes to esg an acronym that, that uh thankfully we've heard a lot about and we're gonna hear a lot more about and most of, more importantly the outcomes behind it as greg touched on yep. your thoughts around esg tanya yeah, esg
2: everybody is it, it's, it's emerging, it's growing, it's, it's going, you know, everybody has some kind of ESG strategy goals and those kinds of things. And supply chain though, if you really get, especially scope three emissions, those, the the movement of parts, it is, it is the heart. We are the heart of ESG. And so the decisions that we make and going back to what Greg said, that that purpose, if somebody is really looking to make an impact, yeah. uh, it is, it is um, a field that certainly there's, I look at it both. Really, there, there are requirements and there are all of these things, but there's also opportunity, you know, and, and you, you look at if you whatever companies you know, people may be working for, if they can take their products and, and, and race to make them more sustainable, not just to meet the re- requirements or regulations that that's that you have to do. And, and we understand that. But how you can just embrace whether it's, I don't know, recycling, remanufacturing, any any in reducing the carbon footprint. All of those are things that certainly are good for the environment. They, they are good for cost. Almost 100 percent of the time, they're good for cost, and it, it's just something that is emerging. And from a from a strategy perspective, there will the impacts that we have in supply chain will be right up at the forefront of how to drive our our carbon footprint down. Now, there's also there's exactly. separate there's supply chain accountability that we all have to work through, and that means going down through your tiers and making sure that uh, you know you know make making sure that all of your all of those requirements are met. Which is going to be quite a bit of that. That'll that that's going to create a, com- a completely different um, audit structure and those kinds of things in your sourcing and procurement teams. So there's there's all these aspects of it. There's there's a, but I, I do believe that that is something that's going to continue to grow from the supply chain perspective.
1: Yeah, well said, Tanya. Greg, your quick 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 comment. Very quick. I think
0: ESG is the fourth leg. I like to think of it as the fourth leg of of the supply chain stool. Speed, cost. Reliability and ethics. All of those things represent risks in your supply chain. And this final one, wait, which end of the hand was I on? Whatever (laughs) end of the hand. (laughs) Ethics, right? Ethics are human rights, right? They are environmental. They are laws and compliance, all of those things that we talk about so frequently. And I think if we view all of those things in a risk balancing perspective, with cost only being one of those, risks, not the primary risk that we think about with quality being part of reliability and things like that, then I think you build a better supply chain by having four legs than or columns or pillars, whatever you want to call them, than just three. And me, that's the way I'm approaching supply chain. You know, we talk a lot about my unfinished business with the supply chain. That is my approach is to add ESG as one of the core pillars of the supply chain.
1: Love it. Love it. All right. Great. So really quick. Uh, and, and and to our production team. Thanks for all the help. We're going to wrap with Tanya with us. We're not going uh, to. Uh, oh, she home. only gets one swoosh. Sorry, Tanya. We ran a little <laughs> bit late. So that's right. You got to watch Wait. it make the sausage. At the
2: end. <laughs> oh, OK.
1: <laughs> really quick. Uh, Abdel, uh, Abdel Halim, uh, recent methods like DDMRP try to start their planning model with a forecast. But afterwards, it's all demand driven. Uh, He says there, uh, Dr. Rhonda, assumptions can certainly be helpful, Greg, versus being relatively focused all the time. This type of thinking certainly helps us build our capacity to be resilient, which is the first uh, item on the list that we talked about here today. Thank you for that, Dr. Rhonda. Uh, I'm going to circle back on Ron's comment here in a second. But Josh says, if you go off the statement, any publicity is good publicity (laughs) publicity. The supply chain field has had insane amounts of coverage <laughs> for the past three years. Never underestimate people's curiosity to Google things they repeatedly hear or see in the news. Excellent point there. And finally, uh, Ron, great to see you here again today from the um, the uh, metropolis of Aiken, South Carolina. So, Ron says, and this kind of goes back. My mind leads to the burnout factor that that uh, mm-hmm. Ton you were talking about earlier. He says, is there a higher supply chain turn- turnover rate because people are jumping to different companies for promotion, better pay opportunities, or maybe because the org charts in most companies for supply chain professionals is limited? Mm. There's some great questions there. We're, let's wrap. As a rule,
0: probably response. so. Yeah. Go ahead, Tanya.
2: So the first part, I think there's certainly some turnover with people pursuing other opportunities. And on the org chart situation, I th- I think I think we all have to make opportunities for people, and and right. regardless of what the um, I know historic org chart is, has been, I can't remember who said it is This supply chain has been in the news for the last three years or whatever it is. So I think there's recognition and appreciation that you know we do have to continue to grow that organization uh, wherever, wherever wherever it sits in your company. So I I think historically, yeah, that may have been a, a different view. But going forward, I think it, we, we all have to make our own opportunities. And, and certainly we, ha- we have to do what we have to do to keep key and critical people.
1: Yeah. Well said, Tanya. We're going to, have to leave it there here today. We're already at the top of the hour, to Bob and the, of the hour. I always get that wrong. It's one o'clock Eastern time uh, is what it is. Uh, so, so Greg and Tanya love our conversation here today. I tell you, Tanya. Really enjoy your take, not just on what's going on at Lexmark yeah. and, and some unique aspects of organization you took us through to you know some of your the four trends and, and yep. to hear your take on them, as well as just having a chance to have this conversation live and have all the folks that were listening, you know, listened in and, and were offering their take a chance to interact with you live here on Saplacha yeah. now. So Tanya yeah. Jackson with LexMark, thank you very much.
2: Thank you, you Scott and Greg. Uh, <laughs> sure, happy okay, to come great. by.
1: We'll bring All right. We'll bring the peach cobbler and ice bring cream, Tanya, and
2: ice cream with crumble. Want
1: yes, this. yeah, crumbly <laughs> top. Uh,
2: come
1: on. Wait, well, hey, one final question for Tanya, if for folks to connect with you, for folks to learn more about Lexmark, uh, folks, I, I imagine you are doing a bunch of hiring. Regardless, they how are. can folks learn more?
2: Yeah, so we we you can certainly con- reach out to me, and you can put my uh, information in the, in the in the group chat at. At uh, Tanya.Jackson at Lexmark.com. Uh, but also, feel please check out our website, Lexmark.com, where we do have, we are hiring. So, love to have you.
1: Wonderful. Uh, Greg, I don't know about you, but I would love to have worked for a Tanya Jackson in my journey, huh? <laughs> I
0: was going to say, if I didn't have a job now, I would be applying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, come, hey. to sunny,
2: come to sunny Kentucky. or That's right. Actually, anywhere around the world, actually. The headquarters in Kentucky. Oh, really? We are hiring. All over the world. Remote? Oh, awesome.
1: <laughs> well, hey, big thanks. That's, to online. T- that's right. <laughs> big thanks to Tanya Jackson and the, really the whole Lexmark team for helping Thank us you. make today's conversation happen. Tanya, we'll Thank have you. you back soon. Thank you for
2: having me. Appreciate you it. Bet. Yeah, thanks,
1: man. Greg, Big thanks to you. Hey, big thanks to all the folks that showed up in the comments. Uh Ron and Rhonda and Julia and Josh and Andy, you name it. All the folks thank you all for contributing here today. Whatever you do, whatever you do on behalf of our entire Supply Chain Now team, Scott Lewton and Greg White. Hey, we're challenging you to be like Tanya Jackson. Do good. Give forward. Be the change that's needed. And with that said, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks everybody. Amen.
2: Thank you. Thanks
1: for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community.